Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who's a Black American who sadly lost their life to COVID-19. I was inspired by Zora Neale Hurston, the anthropologist and author, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums such as the Smithsonian Museum of African-American history and culture. I'll share a little bit about me and my family before I introduce my guest today. I'm a Black American. My dad was African-American and Indigenous American. My mother is Jamaican-American. I'm a fourth-generation teacher. My mom is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York City for 20 years. And my great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica in the late 1800s up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. And she stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a woman to work after she got married back then. Ironically, my mom began working long after she got married in the late 1900s, either the 1980s or 1990s. So without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest. Hi, I'm Janelle Poe. I'm really happy to be here as well, and I'm so excited about this project, and I love that you're citing the Queen Zorniel Hurston and continuing in the tradition of Black research and Black scholarship and uh, Black rhetoric, uh, allowing Black voices to speak for themselves. Thank you, Janelle. Yes. <laughs> and do you identify as Black or African-American? And also, what's your ethnicity? I identify as Black and African-American. I see Black as a diasporic, global um racial, cultural category. Um, I think that it's this uh, continuous sort of um, tension between the Blackness that we as Black people um, embrace and identify with versus how much that name and that identity has been forced upon us by others. And so I think there's something really empowering about embracing Black as a concept, as a people, as a nation, you know, that's beyond what its initial conception through the eyes of whiteness is, but you can't really escape that either. So there's always this thing, but I think Blackness allows for Black people beyond national borders and um, different ethnic groups to 
unify and see themselves as having a shared experience. Um, and yeah, I do identify as African-American. My parents are from here, from New York. My grandparents on both sides are from the South, from Alabama and Mississippi. You know, I can, tr I don't know how far I can trace it back, but their grandparents were born here. And my grandfather was a sharecropper. Uh, he had to drop out of school in sixth grade um, in Mississippi to uh, help feed and raise his family. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm a first generation, well, second generation college and master's student, but some of the first in my family, the entire large extended family line to be going to college and definitely to be getting a PhD. Amazing. Thank you. Um, oh, thank you. Wow. Woo, it's, 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 yeah, I do it in their honor, actually, you know, it's a lot of work, but we, you know, are just as capable. Oh, absolutely. I remember reading a quote, I might misquote Toni Morrison when she was talking about slaves and how many of mm. them would have denied, were denied the opportunity to become writers and artists and yes, because they were enslaved. So it's, yeah, like we get to, we get to decide our fate. Yeah, and to rewrite that story. And there's so much scholarship awaiting us you know, um, that could have been, would have been done had there been more opportunities, had there not been such virulent racism. Right. Yeah. So speaking of having the opportunity, I'd love to hear you talk about your experience um, during the 2020 and 2021 COVID-19 pandemic. And if you want to talk about living at home, working, going to school, like, um, just what your life was like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been very, very interesting. Um, I'm single and, uh, in my forties now. And, um, so to go through this alone, um, and living alone has been really interesting. Um, I've definitely felt like it's changed, uh, like in these major waves, like the initial fear of just what a pandemic could and would be and what the, you know, response is going to be on a national and global and local level of like, oh no, there's no groceries. Like that whole panic, that first, you know, weekend in March where it's like, we're shutting down the city and we're shutting down, you know, this and the, the, uh, chain of, of, of supply is, is about to be disrupted and get all, you know, get everything you can and realizing, oh, I don't really have stuff in the cabinet. Like now I got to get beans, <laughs> you know, um, was, and then to, and to be, feel just alone doing that was really, um, a lot, but at the same time, you know, I have parents, they live in Jersey, but, with the idea of the shutdown, it was like, are you going to stay there for an un, you know, clear amount of time? Or are you going to, you know, stay where you already live and where you do have some other friends? And, you know, so I ended up staying here and then it just turned into now you don't leave your apartment. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, I definitely took the um, social distancing and, uh, 
you know, stay at home if you can, precautions to heart. Um, I was in the midst of teaching on campus in 20, uh, the winter, spring of 2020, like when everything happened. So we immediately switched to online, which I had already studied how to do. And I think I had taught some of my classes hybrid that fall actually. So I was used to like having online classes um, or hybrid kind of things. And I was really blessed. I had a, a black studies class and um, a writing for the sciences class. And they really just, we all went through it together and we're like sharing resources and everybody participated and it, it became a place for people to come together and share what was happening to them, you know? So it felt like a really special time to be a teacher, even though there's a lot of panic and, you know, they shut down this week and, oh, we're back online. Oh, no one's ready for it. Oh, we're shutting down again. So it was a hot mess, but everyone's world was a hot mess. And so it really felt great to have, you know, 50 to 60 other people that now I get to share this experience with and come together in real time. Um, but since then, I feel like the educational process and, you know, the classroom demeanor and, and energy levels and attention levels of students has really changed over these two years. Um, and I think right now everyone's just over it. Uh, they're fatigued. They're tired of the stress. They're tired of um, the rules changing. Um, they're tired of being told, you know, what they can and can't do. And I also feel like a lot of students, a lot more students are having to work because their family situations are so unstable. And, you know, many, so many people lost their jobs or got sick or, you know, had to go take care of others in the family who were ill. And I think that's having a major, major impact on college students, particularly ones in lower income families where they need to help out or definitely need to be responsible for their own, you know, income. Um, so a lot of these students are not turning their camera on and they are at work, you know, so they're not paying attention and they're also not getting the experience, the full classroom experience, nor are they able to participate and so they're losing out on all these levels. Um, and I don't think there has been enough funding support from the government or from these institutions to ensure that students have the time and space they need to dedicate to their studies during this period of time. Mm -hmm. You know, a student wasn't able to get unemployment, you know, and that $1,200 check wait, I guess it was $2,400 we got over two years. Are you kidding? Like, that's it? Oh, that's, yeah. that's it? Um, yeah, so the financial thing has been a hot mess. Um, I feel very blessed I have not gotten COVID. Uh, I continue to take those same precautions um, of washing my hands and, you know, wearing a mask everywhere, double masking if necessary, definitely not staying indoors in places that don't have great ventilation, which is like 99% of indoor spaces in New York City, yeah. including institutions, uh, academic institutions. Um, but it's definitely limited my 
social life tremendously. Um, I feel like it was wonderful because for at first it was just like, oh, everything's a Zoom. Now you can go anywhere in the world at any time. And you can like go from a talk, you know, at a museum in London and the next second you're clicking out and clicking in, into something that's happening in LA, you know, and then, you know, hopping on Twitch. And now there's, you know, your favorite DJ is spinning, you know, in Philly or wherever, like Brazil. <laughs> so there's been a lot of wonderful developments, I think, that have come out of the pandemic, um, particularly for the arts um, in terms of access. But I also am seeing how that is quickly shutting down and they're not really continuing to support it. Like spaces like BAM, like right now, my heart is broken because Kyle Abraham has a dance, uh, has choreographed a performance to D'Angelo's music. And I love D'Angelo, okay? I love D'Angelo. <laughs> I love him. And, and so I would love to see it, but I can't go. And they don't have, it's not being streamed. There's no, there's no other alternative. So it's like, okay, now we've returned to the state of you must be in this location. You must be vaccinated. You must be boosted. You must uh, come. And, and I'm not really sure. What are your, your seating arrangements? Are you actually socially distancing and limiting the number of uh, people who can be in that theater? Or is it just these uh, uh, upfront paper precautions. Uh, but regardless, I can't go. So I'm living in a life that's, I mean, in some ways it's really wonderful. I've, like I said, I've made it through. Um, and because I think that's primarily because I'm single and no one is besides me is going out and I have control over how much I am out and where I am, how long I stay, you know, how I am interacting with others. But almost everyone I know that has gotten COVID is because they were out and about and or they have a child that was in school or going to daycare. It's yeah. really, yeah. Wow, I'm glad that you managed to avoid it. I avoided Thank it. Thank you. So I started teaching in person. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Right. And I had the vaccine. I got the booster. But I don't know if I caught it like on the subway or mm. on the bus or walking because people are back to work. And even though people are wearing masks, you mm -hmm. know, like the virus is still being transmitted. So. Absolutely. And were the, the school that you were at, did they take additional precautions in terms of the, the, the uh, ventilation systems? Well, they said that they upgraded the ventilation, but we couldn't open the windows. And then See? I, right. And at a certain point, I had to close my classroom door because we were watching video mm. and it was too loud. Mm. Um, so... Uh, I don't know. I'm hoping I didn't get it for one students. Maybe I got it on the subway. Maybe. Um, but like when you that, it was a hot mess. Like the the <laughs> when other schools were going online and then right, right, City College. I remember the governor. Was it the governor or the mayor said, 
avoid public transportation. Mm-hmm. And college students were like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we have people, I mean, all of these city schools have people coming from Staten Island, coming from, you know, hours away, multiple transfers. And, you know, you're on the bus, you're on the subway, you're on another bus. Like, no. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's what they told us. Wash your hands and avoid public transportation. I mean, <laughs> boy, people are like, are you serious right now? Absolutely. Yeah. And they, I mean, a lot of, I'm not going to name names, but a lot of these places didn't have soap in the dispensers. Yeah, yeah. Before the pandemic. Yeah. You know, so... I'm just saying, are y'all, and I don't think they have really prepared. I don't think they're really, um, that many things have been upgraded uh, in this two-year period. I think the infrastructure costs are much higher than they're actually willing to invest, um, you know, and so everyone's kind of just hoping it's going to go away or that folks will be okay with getting it at this point is what it seems like, because if the vaccine doesn't work, and it doesn't prevent you from getting it, but you're still putting people in positions where they're going to be exposed to other people who might have it, especially if no, if, if, if testing isn't required by everyone on a weekly basis, there's no way to know. No. It's no. So are you still teaching online or are you back in person? I requested to be online and I'm very, very grateful that uh, the school I'm at was able to support me and and make sure that I have an online class because I do have to show up in person for my classes. Um, I only have one that's fully in person, um, but I still have to go, you know, and because of the timing of another class that I thought was going to be hybrid, um, I don't have enough time really to get from my home in between classes. So I've actually like two of the weeks so far, I've been in person for eight hours, really, you know, for the day of my class that I have to be on campus. And I have found different places to go uh, in the building to like listen and be on my zoom but it it doesn't really work well because you know cell phone reception isn't always that great in certain spaces in large academic institutions of the city so I don't know what I'm really going to do because it's not working out very well um and they're pushing to have 70 percent uh faculty back on site now faculty and staff yeah so all these offices and spaces that have been crickets because nobody's on campus are now changing um so I don't know and and like that why didn't you plan to have a space and multiple spaces where students can come and log in or be online in classes where they're also not exposed to other other folks they told me to go to the cafeteria if I wanted to sit and 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 take a class um that's the place where everyone's going to be having their masks off, eating, laughing, spitting yeah. thing, ex- exuding particles. <laughs> yeah. Why would I want to sit in there while that's happening? 
man. for two hours straight. Are you like, this is the logic. There's no, there is no logic. That's what I've realized. Um, I'm highly disappointed. I feel like I should be getting paid way more because how are these people, how do these people have these jobs? Yeah. It's true. It's there, I feel like the country's at a point where the businesses just want to turn a profit. And after two years of not, of a lot of businesses closed, now they're just like, well, we're all just going to get COVID because we need to make money. Yeah. The economy is the most important thing. Yes. The economy. That's what they made very clear to us. And now I feel like, I mean, the CDC, like when they change those guidelines for masking and for testing, it's just like, wow, like you, you just made it real clear. And so now I can't really trust you either. You oh, know, because right, it went from we had to quarantine for 10 days after yeah. close to five days. And you didn't need to test or it was like something ridiculous. Like yes. on top of it, you don't even really need to test. Like if you don't feel if you feel fine, go back to work. <laughs> like this is not if it was if it's just the common cold, then why are you forcing everyone to get vaccines? Yeah. But you want to act like we should be able to get over it. And there's no need for extra precautions. So it's just, it, I'm telling you, the logic, the logic. It's interesting. Right. So after I got COVID, was it January? Um, I told my job. So I stayed home for five days and I went back to work. And, you know, I don't, the, is it the city or the state? Like, you don't have to get a negative test to go back to work after five days. You just go right. back to work. I remember, like, I told my family and they're like, wait, so you <laughs> still have it but you're gonna go to work and I'm, I was like yeah oh no <laughs> like I felt fine and hopefully I wasn't like transmitting the virus but yeah <sighs> see this is this is what I'm talking about yeah this it makes no sense and anyone who's in a predicament where they don't have sick time and they need money is going to make that choice yeah, that's the sad part. I feel like the one of the good things about the pandemic was unemployment, that so many people were able to get unemployment just to yeah. buy food. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard today um, uh, the, there's a UN... Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because this is this is what I do now. Um, I <laughs> listen to a lot of news and uh, I try to catch like the actual hearings if at all possible. Um, so because of, you know, what's happening in Ukraine right now, I wanted to hear what was happening in the UN. So I, I was listening to them earlier, but it, at some point it was like, Uh, countries talking about the response to COVID, um, different countries. And Japan was, was talking about how they had limited um, spread by, you know, basic hygiene protocols and social distancing, washing hands, masking, and by, um, you know, providing universal health care for everyone. And that they are pushing much harder for that to occur on a global scale. Mm. And I was like, that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, UHC, universal healthcare. There's a name for it. Countries are talking about it. Many countries have already been doing it. You know, 
we keep trying, we keep like inching and then suddenly it's a communist plot, you know? Yeah. I'm glad that the vaccine was free, but like th- thousands, millions of people died around the world. And at this millions. point, is it yeah. like 800,000 Americans have died over the I think table? it's at 900. I think it's, it, I mean, it's just short of a million. Oh, it went up. Because that's the thing. Like, did you watch the, um, the Cuomo news briefings in the morning when he talked about like the number of deaths? Each I, I watched some of them. Yeah. yeah. It was scary. Like that kept me at home. I was like, I don't want to. Yeah. Die. Like thousands of people would die a day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. And those numbers, I mean, are, were they even on point? Because they weren't testing or, or like finding out like when people actually got it. Like, did they test positive for it in the hospital after they were admitted for something else? And, you know, it was it was horrific. It is horrific. We're still reeling from it. And like, um, you know, I think we were talking earlier about st- our students. Um, they're all affected. They're somebody in their family or, you know, mm-hmm. several people you know, I've told me they feel like clouds are over their heads because they've lost like uncles and aunts and, you know, repeatedly over like, you know, a year period, they've just lost like three and four family members at a time, uh, back to back to back. And um, how are students supposed to cope with that? I mean, we're used to it happening maybe, you know, every couple of years or so somebody passes, but all of that death at once, on a psychological level, on a planetary level, like energy, it's just, it's a lot. And I don't think anything really has been done to deal with it. Um, and I don't think these businesses and institutions are poised to help in, in a real way. Um, so I just, I hope that it would be a bigger wake up call than, than it has been. Mm-hmm. It's like, because it wasn't like Ebola, you know what I'm saying? Or like, a her- not that it wasn't horrific, but because not everyone was impacted the same way, I think, and there were, chance higher chances of survival for most people without underlying conditions it wasn't treated in the way that it would have been had it you know been way more contagious or way more deadly and so it allowed for us to do our human maneuvering and figure out how to make it through and now everyone wants to act like it's over right it's not you know we're still dying from covid yeah and now folk mad folks are getting it yeah yeah a lot I I feel like everyone I know who avoided it for the last two years like we've gotten it this year although I'm scared yeah like it's the mu omicron there's so many very I think I got omicron which is more like mm-hmm. cold but I still had shortness of breath like I wow to sit for a couple of days like if I talked, I would get out of breath. And I was like, this, mm. is, this is scary. Yeah. Um, when, so did you get a test afterwards? 
I did, and it did come out negative. So, uh, and how long was that between? It was. I waited ten days. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was surprised, and I did feel better. That's good. Yeah. I don't know. I guess the booster works. The booster and the vaccine. Um. But I don't know. Yeah. I. Go ahead. <laughs> First of all, I think we need to stop calling it the vaccine. Oh, it's not. It's not. <laughs> Maybe if we stop that, people's attitudes and behavior would shift. It's it's not a vaccine. It's I mean, they've changed the definition of vaccine to make this a vaccine, but it's not a vaccine in the historic recently scientific way that vaccines have been understood to as as preventative tools uh, that prevent you from getting the disease not just from experiencing symptoms but from getting it that's what a flu shot does you know that 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 lowers your chances and lowers uh, allegedly the symptomatic responses um That's true. Because I said it would take weeks for your body to build up immunity mm-hmm. after you get the vaccine. So it's not, right, it's not immediate. <laughs> well, <laughs> I remember, did you watch that video that Tyler Perry did when he talked to doctors? Because they were really trying to get the Black community to get vaccinated because so many Black Americans are skeptical based yeah. on how Black Americans have been treated by the medical industry. Yes. Um, a lot of yes. Them, wouldn't get the vaccine and I, I did not see that film I didn't did it did you find it informative like, or did you see it I watched it they explained the RNA and how it was like it would match the DNA I I don't know I kind of understood it I can't really like say <laughs> <laughs> like repeat the lesson but I kind of felt like okay as long as they're not giving me the virus, I'll get it. That I understood, mm. that they weren't putting COVID in us. They were putting like the the RNA. I forgot what RNA stands for. They were putting something it's in It's the us. messenger yeah. RNA. They were yeah. Messenger to read the virus when it comes into the body. Um, so that's what made me get it. Because I was like, okay, as long as they're not giving me COVID, I will get this. this well, shit. from what I understand, from the research I did is that it essentially turns you it's it is like nanotechnology that programs your body to think that it has the virus so your body naturally starts producing the white blood cells and the immuno response that you would need to fight it if you actually got it so then if you did get it you would already be prepared you would have these this higher immune level of protection and you would be less likely to for it to replicate in your body and do all the horrible things that it likes to do Yeah. yeah but my issue is that you have now created some artificial technology that is programming my body 
you're not like older vaccines. Most of them are based off of a dead part of the virus or a weakened strain of the virus that is introduced into your system and your body naturally responds to it just like it does. It doesn't need a, a program to tell it what to do. Yeah. But they totally avoided creating that kind of vaccine because I guess it takes much, much longer to produce. So basically our only option was to do this RNA thing or the Johnson and Johnson, which was a um, genetically modified version of the virus that they then used to produce their vaccine. So it didn't use the RNA technology, but it wasn't actually the virus either. They replicated it and then did their sciencey thing. But yeah, you basically had to have like a PhD in bio <laughs> epidemiology and, you know, biophysics to understand what was happening, what these things did. Mm-hmm. And for all of their conversations, and, you know, I know what a COVID 19 bacteria looks like now, you know, they've shown us enough of this, you know, spike things and the spike protein, but they didn't really do a good job explaining to us how this really, really works. What, and, and there are no answers as to what the long-term impacts are. So basically this is like a research program Uh, wow are you there yeah oh okay yeah there's been so much uncertainty yeah and who do you trust what do you you know I I definitely um you know I'm not sure either way like I have chosen not to take it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have a lot of people who are very much against that, particularly family members. Um, But again, because I don't live with anyone, I know I'm not exposing anyone to my choice except for myself. And Mm -hmm. because I don't have any underlying conditions that would make me be like a serious target for serious complications. Uh, and because I haven't had to work outside of my home until now, you know, that I've, I just have chosen not to, but it's, it's making life very, very difficult. Hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. Hear you share that. Yeah. I wasn't sure if I was going to, but you know, I think that it's something that I, you know, should be honest about. And uh, there are folks (laughs) of us out here who, you know, have chosen not to. Um, And I think that should be okay. Absolutely. And for prosperity, like I'm hoping this will be a primary resource for people in the future to look back on to understand the choices that each person made and why yeah it's clear that we don't know what the effects of the vaccine will be 
you know, who knows? Yeah. Maybe in 10 years they'll say, so you took the COVID vaccine, now you can sue the government. You know, like there's commercials. <laughs> who knows? Yep. So, yep. Yeah, like being yep. honest about just or um, disclosing your thought process and your decisions and choices. Like, it, I think it will help us understand the whole, this ecosystem, ecosystem of the, the pandemic, like how we're mm. all interconnected and how our decisions affect each other and also how like you're working from home you live alone you it's like you're completely autonomous so yeah you're not at risk of infecting anyone um no i'm really at risk of contracting it from people around me who choose to not socially distance or take precautions uh and mask themselves or wash their hands. Um, and yeah, I'm a little concerned when I get on the subway and I'm concerned when I'm in that building, you know, and I try to, you know, just continue to be as considerate of others as I would hope that they would be. Uh, but I've definitely seen folks on the subway, you know, there's a dude coughing, sweating, coughing into a towel, bro, where's your mask? Yeah. Where's your mask? The subway, the whole scene. Girl. I'm and you can't get off. The windows aren't open. You know, it's just like, yeah. wow. It's, like, remember Mayor Eric Adams? He did this whole speech about how the subway is not a place to live. It's not a place to smoke or do drugs or set fires. Like, the subway is, it's, mm, it's gotten interesting. I should <laughs> <laughs> I mean, New York subways have probably always been one of the most interesting places on earth, right? Uh, but you're right. It's definitely gotten worse. And what's crazy, I don't know if you saw, the, you know, this new task force that he's, you know, dedicating all of this uh, police manpower and actually trying to like do sort of a combo team of uh, social workers, police officers, and um, I don't know, uh, people who deal with homeless housing and services uh, together, yes, to work to help provide aid. I think that's the three combo. I know for sure social workers and the police. Um, and they are really trying to get people homes, which I, not yeah. home, is home the right thing? a house houseless right because yeah. you can go home wherever you want right so that like for them it is their home right like let's not right diminish that autonomy but I don't know this the stations I've seen all I've seen is the police so yeah. I'm not really sure that they've staffed appropriately to this project um and it makes me nervous because I know so many kids just jump the turnstiles they don't have the money um and uh yeah I really hope this doesn't end up reinforcing um this the violence and stereotypes against young black folks um but if it helps people get into get better health care and get you know home houses <laughs> housing getting housing like then yeah it's a good thing um but I don't see them enforcing mask mandates and I don't see them handing out masks either 
I think they stopped. They used to. Yeah, they did clearly. But y'all want to spend? I mean, I think they just decided the 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 money. If we put the money in the vaccines, that's going to be the the best way to stop this. Mm-hmm. But I always found it really interesting that you could pay for the vaccine and you could enforce vaccines, but you can't enforce masking and masking is the first thing you want to like get rid of. It just seems like the most basic, simple point of prevention (sighs) or barrier, right? Yeah. It somehow became like a whole political, like, like people, if you wear a mask, then they assume you're a Democrat. If you don't wear a mask, I assume you're like a pro, the former president whose name I will not mention. Wow. So I didn't even, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like a lot of his supporters didn't wear masks because it was their freedom, their body, their choice. And so it, it's become a political debate. Um, I mean, I knew that was a political issue, but I didn't realize people were being marked politically in that way like yeah because there's a whole lot of republicans wearing masks <laughs> you know like are right. really so these are like that that faction that followed the former president is there anything else that you want to share about your experience during the pandemic um i will just say that time has shifted it feels like time is different and my awareness of it is different. Um, I will also say I experienced some pretty serious mental health challenges. Mm -hmm. Um, And nature has really been my saving grace, nature and God. And um, I'm so grateful that I do live in a place where there are beautiful spaces uh to go outside and be free and breathe some fresh air and you know see trees and geese and you know squirrels and all kinds of creatures and plants um and the water you know being by waters has just really been healing in a lot of ways so I ended up walking a lot um because yeah I gained like 20 20 some pounds yeah me too (laughs) 2020 and 2021 that was I had you know chunks for each side Mm -hmm. and uh yeah I walked a lot and it it made a difference um because you really don't realize how what it means to spend almost all your time indoors in a small apartment you know not going up and downstairs not you know walking back and forth you know, down the hall, you're just literally going from the couch to the table, to the kitchen, to the bathroom, to the couch, to the bed, to the, you know, it's like, that's not a lot of steps and we're supposed to get 10,000 a day. So I'm very grateful that, you know, I started getting out and really enjoying nature. Um, I I'm blessed. My parents have been able to avoid this. Uh, My brother too, pretty much most of my family, the only folks in my immediate uh, family, including cousins and aunts to get it was my cousin whose wife is a teacher. Mm -hmm. 
and she got it and the boys she has they have two boys and uh they both got it right around omicron christmas like like you said and um a lot of teachers i know ended up getting it but none of them no one in our immediate family or realm has has passed because of covid um, my parents definitely know folks through their church community who have passed because of it. Um, and there are some folks I feel like that already had cancer that I'm aware of that might have had complications as a result of being exposed, but it wasn't the thing that they immediately died from. I think there's only one person that I know that that turned out to be the thing. Uh, my best friend's uh, great, uh, kind of cousin, cousiny, but like second, third cousin. Mm-hmm. She she was in the hospital and she got it, and within like a day, she was gone. Oh my goodness! Like a day or two. Yeah, she really bad. Um, but yeah, I feel like uh, it's been eye opening in a lot of ways. Um. I'm grateful to still be here. I'm grateful you're here and I'm grateful that, um, people are still here to talk about it. And it's great that you're doing this now so that we can remember, I mean, it's still going on. It doesn't a hundred percent feel like it, you know, but, and I, I feel like this summer is about to be nuts. Like people are really, you know what I'm saying? Because they've already relaxed so many things. Um, yeah, I think the summer is going to be quite interesting. Oh, yeah. um, like another roaring 20s. <laughs> roaring 20s maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because people are fed up, you know. This has been really hard. Um, yeah. Music has got me through. Nature has got me through. And having this program to focus on, you know. How oh, the PhD program? Yeah. It takes up so much time. You're just like, all right, I'll keep reading. Uh, okay, can't go anywhere anyway. <laughs> I got to read this. I got to do this. So, um, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm glad you're still here. It's really exciting for me to hear about your PhD program. Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm so glad we got to talk because I'm, you know, like hearing too. like name New Yorker's perspective and an academic and it's, I really appreciate you. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you, Janelle. My name is Sonia Jean Killebrew and this is my oral history project, Black America and COVID. Thank you.